Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you today. Are you excited to be in church this morning, everybody? Yeah. Hey, before we jump into the series today, I just want to take a moment to do what we do every single Sunday. I want to look in the camera and I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, put your hands together for our online church family. We love you guys. Yeah. Hey, you are our family. We love you. We're sending you some air high fives and air fist bumps today. All right. We are closing out a series we are calling Winning the War in Your mind. But before I jump into it, I want to just talk to my family for a second and remind you of a couple things. Hey guys, did you know that in two weeks, you know what's happening in two weeks? Everybody, Easter Sunday. That's right. Hey, listen, Easter Sunday is coming up and you've never had an easier invite to get your family or your friends into a church service to experience the love and the life-giving message of Jesus and have a little bit of fun. So I want to make you aware Easter's coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to have really cool things in store for you in this service as well as your kids. And you do not want to miss it. So go ahead and mark your calendars and join us for the Super Bowl of all Sundays for Christianity where we celebrate the risen, resurrected Christ. Christ Jesus. Come on, if you're excited about that, say amen. Yeah. All right, I also want to talk to home folks just for a second and remind you, immediately following the Easter Sunday, on that Friday following, on Sunday, uh, excuse me, Friday, April the 9th, put that up there, everybody, we're going to be throwing a big, huge party called our Dream Team Party, everybody. And all those who are shouting are our dream team. And I'm telling you, if you're not on the dream team, you are missing out. We are going to throw down on a party like no party. And it's going to happen at our new church office complex that is still in the process of being renovated. We're almost done with it. It's looking really good. And as soon as we finish it out, we're going to show you pictures. It's going to be amazing. We'll rejoice together. But we are going to have that on Friday, April the 9th. Now, I want to let you understand something. If you might be a dream teamer, if you are receiving invites on Planning Center Online. If you're not receiving invites on Planning Center Online, you may not be a Dream Team member. Now, we want you to be a Dream Team member because we don't want you to miss the party. So how do I get to be a part of the amazing Dream Team so I can come to the party and throw down and have a good time with everybody else? Simple class we call Discover. Everybody say Discover. Discover. Come on, put that on the screen, my man. Discover. What is Discover? Discover is our opportunity to really to honestly to share with you the vision and why we exist to serve you and your family, but it's also an opportunity for you to take a next step to discover your purpose. Two great days in your life, everybody. The day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. And this class is designed not only to share with you the vision and values of who we are as a church, but it's also to help you take a simple next step in discovering your purpose and discovering your design to see how you can live out your best life serving God and serving others. And this is your opportunity. So when does this happen? It happens every Sunday during our second service at 11 a.m. And if you haven't come to that yet, I want to encourage you to participate in Discover. All right, guys, I'm really excited to close this series out. It's called Winning the War on Your Mind. But before we jump into it, you guys, we are a message note-taking church. I want you to go to olc.church. Pull out your smartphone right now. If you don't have one, just play along. Pretend. Just go to your smartphone. Type in olc.church. Swipe down. There will be a button that says message 
notes. And if you're following us online, there is an online version of that. So hit the message notes button and that's going to pull up on your phone. And I want to encourage you to follow along because I want you to understand one thing. I want you to be inspired on a Sunday. I want you to be encouraged. But when you walk out these doors today, I want you to have the tools in your hand to face Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Come on, somebody, you know, because life can hit you in the face sometime on Sunday afternoon. I don't know about you, but it can for me. And then on Monday and on Tuesday, and I want you to have the tools in your hand at the tools in your tool belt of life, if you will, to not just be inspired, but to have practical tools that will help you win the war in your mind. And so we're having a lot of, if, if you're enjoying the notes, can I get a good amen from you out there? Somebody, somebody. All right, so what do we know? What do we know? Winning the war on your mind, what do we know? Well, this is what we've come to know, and it's really the big idea and the truth of this series, is that most of life's battles, they're won or lost in the mind. So when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your self-worth, most of life's battles, whether physical or mental, most of your life's battles are going to be won or lost in your mind. In fact, when it comes to our thoughts, I think this is really cool. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a Christian neuroscientist, she says this when it comes to our thoughts. Look at this. You can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can even go three minutes without breathing, without oxygen, but you can't even go three seconds without using your mind. So in other words, guys, you and I were created to think. We're always thinking. Now, here's the thing about thoughts. Our thoughts have the power to impact our feelings, and our feelings, whether right or wrong, have the power to impact our choices and our decisions and the way we act in life. And that's why I've been saying throughout this series, what comes into my mind comes out in my life. What comes into your mind will come out in your life. And so we've come to the conclusion that if I want to change my life, i got to change my thinking. So if I want to change my thinking, then my life will change. And what we've been doing throughout this series is every Sunday we've been looking at the life of Paul. Who's Paul? Paul was formerly known as Saul. He used to persecute Christians, but he had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ, and he came into a relationship with God. And what happened was he was transformed, and he went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And we see this lifelong process of Paul's life from Acts all the way basically through the rest of the Bible. And what we see him is we see him winning the war in his mind. And so if there's anyone that we can learn from when it comes to learning how to change our thinking so we can change our life, then we need to look at the life of Paul. And we know that he won this because near the end of his life, he is in a Roman prison and he's writing encouraging letters to the church. I don't know about you, but if I'm in prison, I'm probably not naturally thinking about encouraging other people. I need encouragement myself. Come on, somebody. But here we see Paul doing something that's unfathomable. And he's writing letters of encouragement to people. And one of the last letters that he wrote to the Philippians church was Philippians chapter four, verse six through nine. And he ends this letter this way. And we're gonna end our series today with this. And Paul basically says, hey guys, when it comes to your life, you need to understand this truth. And that is, look at this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in every area of your life, by prayer and petition, with a thankful heart. What is he saying? Involve God in the process. Present your requests to God. Paul, what are you saying? Paul's saying, hey, guys, I want you to have a conversation with God. 
I want you to pray. I want you to involve God in every area of your life, including your thinking. Why? Because Paul says, if you do, a miracle will take place. A transformation of your mind will happen. Look at the rest of the verse. And the peace of God. Everybody say those three, uh, three words. And the peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. He goes on to say, so finally, one final thing. Brothers, sisters, One Life Church, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I want you to do one thing, and I want you to think. I want you to meditate. I want you to ponder. I want you to focus your thoughts on God. I want you to focus so much like a cow would chew his own cud. I want you to just take it in. I want you to swallow it. I want you to bring it back up. I want you to do this over and over and over again. Think about these things. And he goes on to say, listen, guys, whatever you've learned from me, whatever you've heard, whatever you've received from me or seen in me, I want you to put it into practice. In other words, I don't want you to just come to church on a Sunday and listen to the word. I want you to take the message notes and apply them in your life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I want you to practice this. Why? Because then the God of, everybody say that word, the God of what? Peace. The God of peace. Look at the promise. He'll be with you. He'll be with you in every area of your life, in your mind. So today's message I've entitled, The Peace of God. Somebody say peace. I'm going to ask you a question as we get into this. How many of you have ever had runaway thoughts? Like you've had thoughts that just run away from you. Like your thought turned into worry, then it turned into anxiety, then it turned into fear, then it turned into depression, then all of a sudden it turned into you just wanting to give up on life altogether. Let me give you an example. Students, have you ever been worried about a final exam? Maybe you've been worried about the grade that you're going to make on that, and you've thought about it so much, now you're thinking, if I don't make a good grade on this test, then I might not get into college. And if I don't get into college, then I won't get a degree. And if I don't get a degree, then I'm probably not going to get a job. And if I don't have a job and I'm not making money, then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, nobody's going to want to marry me. But if I do get lucky enough to get married, well, then all of a sudden I'm going to have kids. But then if I do have kids, then all of a sudden they're going to grow up. I'm going to have to send them to school. Then I'm going to have to worry about sex, drugs, rock and roll, meth, violence, bullies. And oh my goodness, as they grow up, now they're going to need a car. Then they're going to need insurance. Then I'm going to have to make more money to pay for their insurance. Then they're involved in sports, cheerleading, baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever that might be. Now I need more money, so i got to send myself back to school so I can get a better job. And then all of a sudden I'm paying for two student loans. And my life is spinning out of control, and I'm worried. I got a headache and I Googled headache on, you know, and all of a sudden now Google's telling me that I've got a brain tumor and my life is getting crazy all because why I haven't studied for my final exam. Am I the only one that has crazy runaway thoughts like that? Come on, don't leave a brother up here hanging, right? Why is it that our minds can compound so much worry, so much anxiety, so much fear? It's a great question. I'm going to get a little scientific on you today. Now, I am not a scientist by any, ma- by any stretch of the imagination, but I can read, okay? And what I've learned as I've studied a little bit on this is that science tells us the reason we compound fear is because of a little almond-shaped matter in your brain. It's called the amygdala. Everybody say amygdala. That's a weird word, isn't it? Amygdala. The, amygdala's, the amygdala's design... It's wired to protect. It's wired for survival. In other words, the amygdala, this is how I call it. It's the run, forest, run portion of your brain. 
This is what the amygdala is, I promise you. You can look it up and read all about it. So when you're hiking, taking a beautiful leisurely stroll through the woods of Idaho, and all of a sudden you hear noise, you don't know where it came from. It was behind you, but you're thinking, I'm the only one in this forest right now. But all of a sudden, I'm not so sure I am. All of a sudden, your leisurely stroll turns into an Olympic sprint back to the car. Why? Because your amygdala is wired for protection and survival. It kicked in, and now it's hijacking your thoughts. And so when you're in that lake, and you can't see the bottom, and something touches your leg, and you can't see it, and you might be an average swimmer, but now you're an Olympic swimmer. In fact, now you're like, Jesus, you're walking on water. In fact, you're running on water back to the boat or back to the shore. Why? Why is that happening? Because your amygdala is taking over and it's got you freaking out. You better survive or that dead person in the water that you can't see is going to pull you down. Am I the only one that watched those crazy horror movies growing up as a kid? So when you're asleep at night and you hear that noise in the living room, all of a sudden, now you've become not only a human, but you've become a turtle. What's a turtle? I'm hiding under the covers. Because if they can't see me, I can't see them. I'll just be quiet. They won't even know it's me. All over a noise in the living room that was probably your cat. Why you have a cat? I don't know. I'm praying for you. I love you. Dogs are better. They don't make noises in the night. I'm just kidding. I love you very much. So what's the amygdala's job? The amygdala's job is to protect. But here's the problem. It's not logical. It's not, it, it, it has no way of identifying what is truth. The problem is the amygdala doesn't think. It just reacts. And that's why God gave us another portion of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. Y'all yeah, didn't know you were going to get a little science lesson this morning, did you? The prefrontal cortex. What's that part of the brain? That's the logical part of the brain. So when the amygdala hijacks your thoughts and your thoughts begin to get out of control, the prefrontal cortex speaks up and says, hey, I know when you were hiking, that noise that you heard wasn't somebody that was trying to take your life. That was just a bunny rabbit over there trying to just make his way through the trees. So that's what the prefrontal cortex says. So when you're in the lake and you're swimming and you feel something touch your leg and it freaks you out, the prefrontal cortex takes a moment and speaks up and he says, hey, hey, that's not somebody that's you know, dead and buried under the water trying to pull you down. No, no, that was just a stick, okay? That noise that you heard in your bedroom, you know, no, that was, that was just the cat. That was just the dog. See, the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala, they're designed to work together, and God did this on purpose. Why? Because all of a sudden now, now our brain has been pre-programmed. What's happening is what we see, what we hear, we begin to respond, and it triggers a response in our life. And this is what happens. I'm going to give you an example of how this kind of plays out with this programming of your brain. When I was a kid, I will never forget, I was a child of the 80s. I got any child, children of the 80s in this place today? Am I the only one? Okay. Remember, as a child of the 80s, video games weren't really that popular at the time, so I had to go outside with a baseball, a bat, a G.I. Joe, and some dirt. Students, you don't even know what dirt is, do you? <laughs> it's amazing. And so we would go outside and we'd play, play ball, whatever we could do, right? Um, but it, it's, as we would do that as kids, I, I grew up in an apartment complex and loved my dad. He's amazing, but he worked full time, and so I was basically having to take care of myself in the afternoon, and so we'd be outside playing. And I'll never forget this car with one headlight pulls up, tinted windows. It was an Oldsmobile, Oldsmobile. Do you remember those? Am I saying that right? I think it was. That's what I just remember in my mind. And we're playing. All of a sudden, the window rolls down, 
He said, hey, kids, I got some candy over here. Sure would love to give you guys some candy, man. It's really good. And so as any child of the 80s would remember, stranger, danger. Everybody remember that? And so any good child of the 80s that grew up with stranger danger, what did we do? We ran. We ran to our safe place, which was a drainage ditch about 20 yards away. Why? Why we thought that was great protection, I don't know, but that's what we did. And so any time that we begin to see a car with one headlight pull into our apartment complex at night, we would run and hide. Why? Because our brain it's been hardwired to respond. Our amygdala kicks in and our prefrontal cortex kicks in and we're thinking, this is a dangerous situation. You need to run. You need to hide. Fear kicks in. It sets in. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Even as a grown adult today, 43 years old, when I see a car with one headlight, there is a moment in my mind where something triggers and then I have to come back to reality and go, you know what? I'm a 43-year-old man. That person's not about to try to give me candy and kidnap me. <laughs> But I'm just saying, I still have to deal with it. Why am I telling you this? Because many of our life experiences that all of us have faced, because of it, our brain has been pre-programmed on things we see, things we hear, and, it, it, and the response is a trigger. And that trigger sets us off in so many different ways, but most of the responses we have, if we're being honest in this room, is our responses, it's fear, it's anxiety. And I just want you to understand something today that if that's you, Jesus didn't say to you, let your hearts be troubled. No, Jesus said, John 14, 27, look, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Guys, when the angels appeared to the shepherds who were watching their flock by night, the angels didn't say, glory to God in the highest heavens, stress and anxiety on earth. No, what did they say? Look at this, Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, here's the word, peace. Goodwill toward men. And Paul didn't even say, hey guys, I want you to be anxious about everything. I want you to be stressed out in every area of your life. No, 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 he didn't say that. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, we just read it. While he was under arrest in a Roman prison, he says, guys, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about your finances. Don't be anxious about the economy. Don't be anxious about COVID-19. Don't be anxious about the government. No, no, no. Look, but in every situation, whether you're fighting addiction or you're fighting a difficulty in a marriage, in every situation by prayer and petition with a heart that is thankful, what do we do? We involve God in the process. And that is we present our request to God. And then look at what happens. Look at the rest of the verse. And then the peace of God. Say those three words with me. And the what? And the peace of God which transcends our human ability to understand, will guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus. So here's the question. How do we experience God's peace in our mind? If these triggers are being set off for fear, if these triggers are being set off for anxiety, how do we begin to experience the peace of God in our minds? Well, we just read it, but here's the bottom line, and that is prayer is our first response for peace. Prayer is our first response for peace. In other words, having a conversation with God, just being real, authentic, and open, and inviting God into the process that is your anxiety, that is your fear, that is your worry. Involving him in this process 
This is our first response for receiving peace of mind. I love 1 John 5, 14 through 15. This is the confidence. I love this. This is the certainty. This is the assurance we have in doing what? In approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, what does he do? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So I just need you to understand today, guys, when you pray, when you have a conversation with God, you have an audience with a creator. You have an audience with the living God who gave his life for you so you could spend time with him. And he not only hears you, but God responds to you. His ears are attentive to your prayers. And so, Hebrews 4, 16, because of that, let us therefore come boldly, not in arrogance, no, but in confident assurance to the throne of grace. Why? Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I need you to understand something. God wants you to experience healing. God wants to bring renewal in your mind. God wants to bring restoration in your mind. But my friends, my family, you and I, we have a part to play in the process. What is our part? It's to pray. It's to involve God in the process of our lives. We go to God. Our first response for peace is prayer. I love this, guys. Did you know that science has proven there is actually a spiritual neuroscience? What does that mean? It means it's the study of the brain's relationship to prayer. Like there are Christian scientists who have looked at studies of brains and the difference between a person's brain who doesn't pray and the person's brain who does pray. And you know what happens to the brain of the person who prays? Spoiler alert! Guess what happens? The brain changes. This is so cool. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who has written several books on this subject, and I would encourage you, if if you want to learn more about this and the truth of how God's created this, it's amazing. Look her up and buy one of her books. She just released a new one. It's called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. It's an incredible book. I would encourage every one of you to get it. But she says this, It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent, this is amazing, that it can be measured on a brain scan. So what does this tell us? Prayer not only touches God's heart, prayer touches us. Prayer changes us. Just as a toxic thought of depression can lead to a destruction of a person's life, check this out, the prayer has the power to bring healing into your mind. Prayer has the power to change your brain. Prayer has the power to breathe life into every area of your life. And this is why the Bible says, James says this, James 5, 16. This is why I want you to therefore confess your sins to each other. I want you to pray for each other. Why? So that you may be, there's the word, so that you may be healed. Why is prayer important? Because God knows that this is the first response to receiving healing in your mind to receive the peace of God. This is amazing. And by the way, I love the rest of this verse. The prayer of a righteous person, it's powerful and effective. And you're thinking, well, Pastor Rhett, that's my problem. I am not righteous. Well, can I just clarify what this word means? The word righteous doesn't mean perfect. The word righteous just means you're made in right standing with God. How are we made in right standing with God? It's not anything you and I could do, my friends. It's already been done. His name is Jesus. 
It's simply coming into a relationship with God's one and only son, Jesus Christ. How do we do it? We simply believe. We simply put our hope and our trust in who he is. And a miracle takes place. It's called salvation. And it doesn't mean that our lives automatically become perfect. No, it just means that our life in God's eyes, when he sees Christ in his blood in our life, we become righteous. We become made right standing in our prayers, not our eloquent prayers, not our King James Version prayers. No, but our authentic self, our prayers, they're powerful. Our prayers are effective. Me being real and authentic with God has the power to bring healing into my life and healing into my mind. If you believe that, say a good amen, somebody. Paul goes on to tell us again, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is our theme verse. I want you to walk away with this. Guys, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in every area of your life, by what? By prayer, by petition, with a heart that is thankful, involve God in the process. Present your request to God. And what's the byproduct? What's the promise? And the, put this, there you go, and the peace of God. Come on, say there's three words. And the what? The peace of God which transcends your human ability to understand. What does it do? It guards your heart, guards your mind. It is a miracle in your soul. And it does this through who? Through Jesus Christ. So the bottom line is this. I need you to understand that prayer invites the peace of God into your mind. Please put that on the screen, buddy. Prayer invites the peace of God into your mind. I don't know if you caught that, but prayer invites the power, invites the presence of God, invites the peace of God into your mind. We've got one or two people who are excited about this truth today. Amen. This is good. So why do we worry? When we have peace so available to us, why do we lie awake at night gripped by fear, gripped by anxiety? Why do we lie awake at night gripped by the depression and the thoughts? Why are we so afraid of the future? Why? Well, before I answer that question, why don't we just simply define what worry is first? What is worry? Worry is the sin of distrusting the power and the promises of God. This is what God's word teaches us. What is worry? It's basically the sin of distrusting the power and the promises of God. In other words, what is worry? Worry says, God, I don't trust you. God, I know you can create the heavens and the earth in six days. You can create me out of dirt and breathe life into me and bring me to life. But God, I don't think you can handle my finances. God, I don't really think you can handle my marriage. I don't think you can handle my boss, my career, my job. I don't think you can handle my kids. In fact, you know, God, I can't trust you with any of that. That's what worry is. It's the sin of saying, God, I don't trust you. I know your word says you're my provider, but I don't believe it. I honestly think the guy down, you know, who writes my checks and who signs his name, like that's the person who provides for me. And if I don't make him happy, then I'm not getting paid. So, God, I don't really trust you in this. What's worry? That's worry. Worry is saying, God, I don't trust you. It's the sin of distrusting the power and the promise of God. Why do we think like this? Why do we think like this? That's a, I think it's a great question to ask. Well, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 5 through 6, look at this. Guys, those who are dominated by the sinful nature... Those who are worried, those who are anxious, those who are fearful, those who aren't trusting God, what do they do? They think about sinful things. What does that mean? It means they take their eyes off of God and they put their eyes on themselves. 
they take their eyes off of trusting God and they put their eyes on a trusting themselves. But look at the rest of the verse. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, in other words, those who involve God in the process of their life in every area, what do they think about? They think about things that, that please the Spirit. What does that mean? It means they just simply trust God. They trust God. They believe. They have faith. And so, look at the rest of the verse. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, well, there's only one byproduct of that. It leads to death. And many of us, we, we're experiencing that in different areas of our life. We're experiencing death. Why? Because we're letting our mind, our sinful nature, be controlled. Our minds. And it's going to constantly lead to death. But I got some really good news for you. In fact, I got some great news. It doesn't have to stay this way, everybody. Look at this. But if you let the Spirit control your mind, if you will choose to believe what God says is true, if you'll put your hope and your trust in Him and you'll let His Spirit direct your thoughts, oh, man, my friends, what does it lead to? It leads to life. And what? In peace. Peace. If you change your thinking, it will change your life. So how do we win the war on worry? How do we win the war on worry? We've read this verse a lot for the past two months, but I just think it's a word from God for us today. Romans 12, 2. Guys, we can no longer conform to the pattern of this world. We've got to stop thinking like the world, but we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We can adjust our thinking And many of us, we just need to simply adjust our thinking when it comes to our view of life and our view of God. Because many of us, if we're being truthful, we're viewing our life and we're viewing God through the lens of worry. When we should be viewing our life and viewing God through the lens of God's word. In other words, we've got our worries so big. It's like Mount Everest. It's huge. But our God just seems so tiny over here compared to our worry. Why is that? It's because we're viewing God. We're viewing our situation through the lens of worry and not through the lens of what God's word says about us. Because the truth is, my friends, we serve a God who created the heavens and the earth. We serve a God who breathed life into each and every one of us. We serve a God who can take dead things and make them alive. We serve a God who nothing is impossible. That's the truth. And so what should my response be to this truth? It's when worry wants to sneak up in my life. 1 Peter 5, 7. I need to give all my worries. I need to give all my thoughts. I need to give up my cares. I need to give all my concerns over to God. Why? Because he cares about you. God loves you. He is a father who is so kind and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, merciful, wants you to experience good things and blessings and experience fulfillment, hope, joy, and peace. He cares about you. I don't want you to just give God your worries, man. I want you to give your whole life to him. Some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Red, are you just telling me not to do anything, just to trust God, give it to God? I mean, that sounds a little irresponsible. That sounds to me, Pastor Red, that you're living in denial, and I'm not talking about the river in Egypt. And I would say, my friends, I'm not living in denial. I'm living completely dependent on God is what I'm doing. What does that look like? How do we live that way? How do we win the war of worry in our mind by living dependent on God? I'm going to give you three practical things. Super easy, super simple, 
I'm going to show you three things that I try to do when anxiety creeps up in my life, when fear creeps up in my life, when these thoughts begin to try to worry me, when my amygdala comes in and tries to take over control from my logical thinking. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. Guys, I'm simply going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do. So if i got a health issue, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to exercise. Oh, that word's just so hard to say coming out your mouth, isn't it? <laughs> so if I'm a student and I've got a big exam coming up the next day, what am I going to do? I'm going to study. I'm going to study. And I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can do. And so if I have a financial issue, oh, Rhett, be careful. You're about to step on my toe. I know. But if you've got a financial issue, you've got to do what you can do. You've got to stop spending more money than you make. You've got to live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. You've got to create a budget. You've got to tell your money where to go. You've got to do what you can do. You've got to use wisdom, everybody. I can have knowledge and know this every day, but you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is when I apply that knowledge into my life. Well, that's my problem, right? I just don't have wisdom. Well, you know what God's word tells us? I love it. James 1, 5. Guys, if you need wisdom, just ask. Ask our generous God. He will give you wisdom. He will show you what you can do in the now. Ask him and he will give it to you. So I'm going to do what I can do, talking about winning the war of worry in my mind. When it comes to overcoming worry and my anxious thoughts, what do I do? Um, first of all, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do. Secondly, I'm going to give God what I can't. I'm going to give God what I can't do. You know what I can't do? I can't change a person. You know who can? God. I'm just called to pray for that person. They hurt me. They wounded me. They offended me. I can't change them, but I know the one who I can pray to who can bring some change into the situation. So I'm going to give to God what I can't do. I can't change them. So God, I just give that person to you. I'm going to let you handle it and deal with it. You know what else I can't do? I can't heal. I can't heal a single person. So you guess what? I can't do that, so what am I going to do? I'm going to give my health issue to God. I'm going to do what I can do, but what I can't do, I'm going to give it to God. Why, God? Because you're the only one that can bring healing into a body. You're the great physician. You are the healer. By the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for me, not only bore for my sins, but bore for my healing. I'm going to give that to you. You know what else I can't do? I can't control everything. (laughs) As much as I love to control everything. But you know what I can't do? I can give that to God, who is absolutely 100% in control of everything. You know what I can do? I can give my, my worries, 1 Peter 5, 7. Look at this. I can give God all my worries. I can give him my thoughts, my anxious thoughts, my fear. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about me. Just trying to give you some practical tools when it comes to winning the war in your mind. When it comes to worry, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give to God what I can't do. And here's number three as we close. Then ultimately, here it is. God, I'm going to trust God no matter what. (laughs) I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give God what I can't do. And finally, I'm just going to trust you, Lord Jesus, no matter what. I shared this verse last week, but I'm going to put it on the screen this week. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Guys, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Stop stressing out 
and begin to start resting. How? In all my ways. Look at the verse. In all my ways, in my marriage, in my home, in my finances, in my relationships, in my health, in my career, at school, wherever I may find myself, in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge who? God. I'm going to involve him in the process. I'm going to trust him no matter what. Why? Why? Because he, he shall direct my path. He will silence the chaos. He will silence the confusion. And he will bring clarity into your mind to help you in your life with every next step. Could you just imagine for a moment what your life would look like with just this deep abiding peace? Could you imagine what your life would look like in your home if you had just tranquility in your mind? Like this peace that I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a breath of fresh air. I hope and life and fulfillment. Could you just imagine for a moment what that would look like? Some of you are like, well, Rhett, that's just impossible, man. If that's you today, I just want to encourage you, stop believing that lie, man. It's time to replace that lie with God's truth because God says, Jesus himself said in Mark 9, 23, hey, guys, everything is possible. Everything is possible. Look that word up in the Greek. Everything, you know what it means? Everything. <laughs> everything is possible. For who? For the one who believes, for the one who puts their hope in God, for the one who places all their trust in God, no matter what, no matter what. So I'm gonna close this message and I wanna encourage you one more time with the words of Paul as he closed out his letter in a Roman prison. He says this, do not be anxious about anything. Guys, don't be anxious about your marriage. Don't be anxious about your health situation. Don't be anxious about your finances. Don't be anxious about your kids or your grandkids. Don't be anxious about your family. Don't be anxious about your future. Don't be anxious about that bad doctor report. Don't be anxious about whatever you Googled and Dr. Google said about your life. No, no. No, don't be anxious. But in every situation, by prayer, petition with a heart that is thankful to God do what we involve God in the process we present our requests to God why because if you will we've said it like 10 times already show the next verse and the what the peace of God which transcends my understanding of what I see and what I'm facing and what's going on in my mind the peace of God will transcend my worry will transcend my anxious thoughts, will transcend my fear. What will happen? A miracle will take place in my life. A miracle will take place in my soul. The peace of God will guard my heart and guard my mind in Christ Jesus. Some of you in this room are maybe even joining us online. You've been battling worry. You've been battling anxiety. You've been battling stress. You've been battling thoughts of depression. You lie awake at night, you can't sleep, your thoughts just keep churning and churning and they're running away from you. And you don't know what to do. You're tired, 
If you're being honest, you're just exhausted. You're exhausted. And you feel like, honestly, you feel like you've just simply done everything you could do. I wanna encourage you today. Guys, now it's time to allow God to do what only he can do. And what he can do is he can bring rest in peace to your mind. In fact, I'll close with this verse. Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is all you need to do. Just come to me. Jesus is simply saying to you today, if you'll come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened with anxious thoughts and the weight of the world in your mind, if you'll come to me, look at what he says. I will give you rest. I'll breathe life into your mind. I'll breathe life into your soul if you'll just come to me. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? This is the most important part of our service. If I could just encourage you, no moving around just in this moment. This is a holy moment. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you so much for your presence that is here today. God, I lift up all my friends and family in this room who are dealing with just anxious thoughts, with runaway thoughts. And God, we approach your throne of grace today so that we can find mercy and help in our time of need. And we're asking, God, we're understanding today out of your word that says prayer invites your peace. Prayer invites your promises and your power into our life. So we approach your throne today with confidence and boldness. And I begin to pray for every one of my family and friends. And I pray that your peace that passes all understanding will begin to guard their heart and guard their mind in Christ Jesus. We come against the lies of the enemy. We begin to replace the lies with your truth. That says I'm an overcomer and that I'm free find freedom today in our mind. We find peace today in our mind through you today, Lord Jesus. Peace of God. Some of you are in this room and you're like, Pastor Red, I would love to just get in on some of this peace, man. But I just, if I'm being honest, I don't have a relationship with God. Some of you, you've had a relationship with God. You've experienced this peace, but for whatever reason, You've walked away, and today I just want to encourage you. I want you to know God's love is here. He loves you. He's for you. He's not condemning you. He wants to breathe life back into your soul, and that happens when you just simply surrender your life to him. And if you're here today and you'd like just to take a simple next step, I want you to know you're just one heartfelt, heartfelt prayer away from experiencing God's peace. So if you're here today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus and experience a peace that just honestly transcends your soul and your understanding and you'd like to give your heart to Christ, it'd be my honor to pray for you right where you're sitting. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But would you be so bold just to raise your hand right now all across the room? Let me know who I'm talking to. God bless you. Come on, just all across the room. If that's you, like, Red, I just, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to experience this peace. God bless you, man. You can put your hands down. That is the single greatest decision of your entire life. So we just say a simple prayer like this and just mean it with all your heart and just say, God, today I say yes to your love. I say yes to your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for paying for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Come live inside of me transform me. 
put my hope and my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. And I just say this, Holy Spirit, I receive you today. Empower me and help me to make a difference with my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, listen, hang with me just for a second. Maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't, but you know that you said that prayer and you meant it with all your heart. I want to say congratulations, man. Welcome home. It's so exciting. I want to let you know that is the first step in your spiritual journey, but there are some other steps to take. And a powerful next step that I want to make every single one of you aware of is this water baptism. Water baptism. What is water baptism? It's a public declaration of your faith. The salvation moment is personal. It's private. It's between you and God. But then at some point in your life, that personal commitment that you made needs to go public. You need to take a moment and say, it's just like my, my wedding ring. What does this wedding ring say? It says, I'm taken. You can't have this. You know what I'm saying, right? Not that you want it, but I'm saying. It is a public declaration that I'm married to the most beautiful, hottest, incredible woman on the planet. Her name is Linda. She's serving your kids today. This is a public declaration. What is water baptism? It's the wedding band of Christianity. And some of you, you've given your heart to Christ over the past couple of months, and you're just excited to, to want to take this next step. And I want to encourage you, if you want to do this, this is your next best, this is your best next step. And I encourage you to go to olc.church, click on the link that looks like this, or just hit the word baptism, and then you'll be able to register there. And we're going to have a lot of fun. That's going to take place after our second service on that, on that Sunday. One more incredible next step that I would encourage you to take outside of water baptism, if you don't feel like you're ready for that, is just small groups. Small groups. What are small groups? They're groups that are small. They create an opportunity and an environment for you to experience a life change. Life change happens, my friend, in relationship. If you're doing life alone, it's time to stop. It's time to be a part of a family. It's time to be a part of a community. It's time to see your life change. If you want to win the war, win the war on your mind. You need other people in your life. And so go to lc.church, click the button that looks like that, and you can sign up for one of our small groups. And our small groups, leaders would love to have you a part of the family. All right, hey, you guys, we had some people make decisions for Jesus this morning. Isn't that amazing? Can we put our hands together today and celebrate? Come on, let them know how much you love them. Yeah. So exciting.